0: Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Life in Christ should be fun. Come on. I just got that. Finally, after all these years. No, but seriously, life in Christ should be fun. It should be a good time, and we should enjoy it together, even with disagreements and even having different ideas and even different theology. You know I'm big on this. We need to have friendships, and we learn from each other. It's absolutely beautiful to have that openness of mind and heart, amen? So this morning, I want to get going on the message here. Man, that worship time was good, wasn't it? It's like I'm still trying to decompress from that in a good way. It was just so enjoyable but, but I want to speak from this idea, how can I be pleasing to God? Say that with me. How can I be pleasing to God? You ever th- asked this question or thought these things in your life? Now, for some of us, maybe we've arrived at a place where we're pretty comfortable with the answer to that question. and so maybe today will be a good reminder. But you know, for many of us, um, even those watching online, maybe you've never asked this question or maybe you've asked this question and you've never had an answer to it. What does it mean? to be pleasing to God. I want to start in Romans chapter 10 this morning. Romans chapter 10. And I'm hoping, I was just talking to Jessica this morning, I said, hey, is it okay if we, if we get you, we're out, you're talking about yourself right now. I said, is it cool if we get you on camera? And she goes, yeah, that'd be great because maybe there's some you know, friends of ours who are hearing impaired and they can see the sign. Isn't that awesome? Let's give it up for Jessica. Every single week, She's here doing this. She, she doesn't go, hey, look at me, look what I'm doing, right? She, I mean, there's never an issue. It's just so beautiful, and I just want to acknowledge her for what she does. So thanks, Jessica. We appreciate it. But look at this in Romans 10, verse 17. It says, so faith, say so faith, comes from what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of Christ. Now, we probably, I mean, if you've grown up in any church for any amount of time, especially if you, you know, came up in the Word of Faith movement, this was a very popular scripture. It's a beautiful scripture. But a lot of times we would read this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the actual Greek word here translated God into English is the word Christos. So it should be the Word of Christ. Which, to me, it does kind of shift our paradigm a little bit, doesn't it? So he says, in hearing by the Word of of Christ. So the question really is, what is faith? You ever ask yourself that question? What is faith? Because whether you're in a religious circle or in the world, we've heard things like, you got to have faith. I mean, George Michael sang about it back in the 80s. How many of you got to have faith, faith, faith? Ah, baby! Anyway, I'll get Pete up here to sing it. <laughs> But people have said things, you got to have faith, or just have a little more faith, or do you have faith, or do you have enough faith? How about this? What faith are you? You see all these different connotations we have? How about this? Take a leap of faith, brother. Take a leap of faith, sister. So really, what is faith? Well, in a nutshell, we could say that faith is trust. Right? I mean, most of us know that. Faith is trust. And when it comes to life as a believer, I believe it's this, truly trusting God. It's interesting how when I prepare something, honestly, I didn't know where I was going until yesterday. With the message, not in life. Sometimes I'm not too sure about that either, but I didn't know where I was going with this. And I just felt like, you know what? Let's talk about faith. Let's talk about pleasing God and so I'm going this route and then we sing these songs today, which you would think, you know, I'm in the band, I would know the songs. But honestly, this morning I was like, hey, what's the list? <laughs> wow, I just ratted myself out. But, but, you know, I'm looking at these songs and as we're singing the lyrics, I'm back here singing and just, I'm going, Holy Spirit, you're so cool. It's just so cool how you line things up because everything we, we, we sang today was really faith and trust, It's saying, my my arms are just wide open. I I trust you. I I give everything I have to you. Every situation, every circumstance I'm giving to you. And really, if we could define biblical faith, it's just saying, you know what, God, I trust you. I trust you with my life. I trust you with, with what's going on, the circumstances that I'm going through right now. That's really faith defined. So here's a question, a little off subject. Let's take a left turn. How many are enjoying homeschooling right now? one hand you're homeschooling oh that's awesome why well, I say that because you know at this time for a lot of people now some of you your kids are going back to school and that's great but for a lot of us it's virtual learning and so you know depending on our personalities I would say for some it's pretty easy and for others it's not the easiest thing to do but let me ask you this question how many remember when your kids were still in school <laughs> yeah you're like man my life was so much easier but you know I started thinking about this idea and you know it's it's definitely a challenge at times when you have to become a teacher on top of being a parent and a breadwinner and all these other things I understand that but I started thinking of the times that my kids were in school just dreaming about them being back I'm just kidding but you know I was thinking about times where my kids were in school and I have my my two youngest sons still living at home who are still in grade school it just hit me like like a ton of bricks that they're literally in 4th and 11th grade already. And I was like, how did this happen? Because it seems like just yesterday, they were both in kindergarten. It really does. And I remember we had, at the school we go to, you know, they have the loop and the pickup, and you could pick the kids up. But in kindergarten, they weren't allowed to come outside yet and stand against the wall and then be dismissed. It was, you'd walk into the building, uh, we'd go into the gymnasium, the kids would be you know, brought into the gymnasium and they'd all have a wall because there was more than one kindergarten teacher, right? And they'd be on a wall. And then what would happen is as the parents came in, the teachers would see the parents and they'd say, okay, Johnny, okay, Ethan, okay, Aiden, okay, Sally, okay. And, and you'd go over. Well, I remember when, when we first put them in school, I remember the excitement that they had when they saw us walk in the gym. In fact, the, the first couple days at least, they didn't even listen to the teacher. They saw us and they went running and jumping in their arms. They were so excited that mommy and daddy were here. But you know, they didn't wait for the teacher to dismiss them because they were excited. There were also times if, for instance, I was running a little bit late to pick them up from school what they would do is they would send them from the gymnasium down to the office and they would sit in the office and they would wait. And when I would walk into the office, even when I was late, when I would walk into the office, it was like this resounding, Daddy, you're here. This is so awesome. It's, It's so awesome that you're here. But here's the thing. It wasn't that they were relieved because they were worried. Never once did I get this feeling when I walked in, even when I was late, If I was 10 or 15 minutes late, I would call the school and say, sorry, I'm in route right now, I'm almost there. That's fine, he's in the office, it's good. But never once did I walk in and that daddy felt to me like, oh my gosh, for a minute there I was just wondering. I wasn't sure if he would show up. No, he wasn't worried. They weren't worried. They actually were excited because they were anticipating dad being there because they knew that dad would be there to pick them up. We could actually say this, that there was a faith or a trust that they had in me. You following me? In fact, we could go as far as to say that their faith or trust came from hearing and hearing by the word of dad or mom. See, they trusted us. When we dropped them off in the morning, we said, all right, hon, all right, honey, We'll, we'll we'll pick you up. All right, buddy, we'll pick you up after school. We'll be here. They hung on to that word. They heard that word, they hung on to it. They had faith that dad or mom would be there to pick them up. Do you see where I'm going with this? I want us to look back at Romans 10, 17. And let me say this because I've learned to read scripture in such a different light. Now you hear me say this a lot, that you should always use the lens of Jesus and his life and his ministry to see all of scripture. And I agree with that. But, but what that does is it takes you out of this, this way of reading scripture where scripture be, is a threat and it becomes a promise. And it changes how you view things, doesn't it? But look at this, Romans 10, 17. New American Standard Bible. So faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Some of you are like, what does it even mean? Well, look at this in the NIV. Consequently... Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about who? Christ. So I believe that we're getting closer to the context of faith here, but but look at how Eugene Peterson describes it here in the Message Bible. I love this. I want us to see how the context of faith really comes into focus. Let's start with verse 14. He says, But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? This is awesome. And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to do it? That's why the scripture exclaims, a sight to take your breath away. Now think about these these words here. A sight to take your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. But not everybody is ready for this. Ready to see and hear and act. Then he quotes Isaiah. Isaiah asked what we all ask at one time or another. Does anyone care, God? Is anyone listening and believing a word of it? But look at this translation of verse 17. The point is, before you trust, look at this, you have to listen. But unless Christ's word is preached, there's nothing to listen to. Are you starting to form an idea here, what faith is? Because, you know, I've heard it so many different ways in my life from so many different denominations. And I just said earlier, there's so many connotations when it comes to this faith thing, what does it really mean? But I I want us to, do we see this here? Faith comes by hearing the word of Christ. We could say the good news. We could say the gospel. That's where faith comes from. Let me clue you into something. Faith is a gift, just like grace. Just like love, just like forgiveness. The scriptures tell us that we are all given the measure of faith. It's a gift. It's actually one of the fruit of the Spirit, faith. But what's interesting here is it says that the word about Jesus or Christ is where faith comes in. It's hearing of God's love. It's hearing of a God who loved us so much that he sent his only son, the incarnation, God in flesh. It's hearing things about total forgiveness of sin. Hearing about our justification through Christ. Hearing of the death, burial, and resurrection. Hearing the message, get this, hearing the message about who you are and whose you are. This is where faith begins to come in. It's the fact that you are a new creation. Say that with me. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. When you start to hear these things and you realize, like I said earlier, that there's for over 2,000 years now, there's been this, this brand new creation bursting forth and we get to say yes and be part of that. This is where faith begins in our heart. So with proper context, we see that faith equals what? Belief or confidence in the finished work of Christ. Or we could say the good news, or we could say the gospel. This is the source of biblical faith. Now, are you following me so far? Now, look at Hebrews chapter 11. We're going somewhere with this. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. I just kind of want to set up some foundation for those of us who maybe weren't quite sure. First of all, where do I get faith? Well, it's a gift. And it comes by hearing the good news. But look at what the, the author here of Hebrews uh, says in Hebrews 11, verse. let's go to verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, have you ever read this verse and went, what the what? No, seriously, it's okay, be honest. <laughs> if, you, if you ever read verses, you're like... Okay, I just read some words, but I'm not quite sure how that works. Well, first of all, we have to understand that, you know, the scriptures were written in Hebrew, written in Aramaic, written in Greek. So we have these different renderings in English. Sometimes it's good to look up the original words so we can have a better understanding, and that's what we really strive to do here. But when you hear, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, We can break it down like this, really in context. Faith is what? Substance. Say substance. Substance is what? Confidence and what we hope for. Okay, follow me with this. And then it says here, hope for. What is the evidence? Evidence is assurance about what we do not see. We can say it like this. Faith is confidence and assurance in God trying to break this down Barney style. I want us to really get this. I don't, I don't want us to get hung up on, well, do I have enough faith? Do I need more faith? Where's my faith? I want us to see that faith is just saying, God, I'm confident in you right now, right here. I'm confident. I trust you. I trust you at your word. Does that make sense? It's trusting that Father has your best interest in mind. i want to look at one more rendering of this in the mirror translation, Hebrews 11.1. 1. This is awesome. It says, persuasion confirms confident expectation and proves the unseen world to be more real than the seen. Faith celebrates as certain what hope visualizes as future. That's pretty awesome, isn't it? What I'm seeing here is if we're, if we're looking at faith and where it comes from, we can literally say that Jesus is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of everything that the prophets foretold. Well, how do you like that? It's pretty cool, isn't it? So everything, when it comes to biblical faith, it all revolves around Jesus, who, by the way, is God in flesh, who, by the way, is God. God's answer to who you are and who he is. That's one of the coolest things to me is when I look at the life of Jesus, I'm like, God's just like that. That really changes. For me, it changed my paradigm forever and how I even look at scripture and people and God and myself and all those things. But we have the, the unveiling, I believe, in Christ, in human life. Completing mankind's every expectation. Jesus was saying, this is what it looks like to be a true human being. And what did Jesus always lead with? Love. Inclusion. He accepted everyone. And we talked about this last week. I'm thinking, when will the followers of Jesus begin to be like Jesus? I'm speaking to myself because I've had days where I've had to challenge myself like that action or that reaction or the way that you talk to that person or your spouse or your kid that didn't look like Jesus that doesn't sound like Jesus and it doesn't bring condemnation it makes me realize oh I'm not awakening to who I truly am I'm not really living out of the true source of who I am yet how many come on just be with me here you've been there before so it's a journey listen we're all on the journey We have this goal, this end goal, but it's going to take a lifetime to get there. See, our existence, I should say our entire existence as believers, is our faith or our confidence in God concerning the finished work of Christ. In fact, the Message Bible here says the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth." Living. That's what Jesus is. That's what the way of Jesus is to us if we're saying, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus. But here's the thing have you ever questioned whether it's worth it? Don't have to raise your hand, but but just be honest in your mind with this. And I'm talking about life as a believer, life in general. I'll be honest with you, there's times where I've said to myself, is, is this even worth it? This following Jesus thing, is it worth it? I'm just being dead honest with you. Now I stand before you stand here before you today because I do believe it's worth it. But listen, we we all have times where we can fall into doubt and unbelief and we're not sure. I just want us to be honest. I think we've all asked those questions. Why, why am I going to this place on a Sunday morning when I could sleep in and watch the pregame? I'm trying to be funny to lighten it a little bit. But I, but I do want us to be serious about it. Why do we continue to follow this Jesus? And I think it boils down to, sure, the experiences that we've had in this life. I mean, there's experiences that I can't discount. There's experiences that have kept me here. Guess what else has? Friends relationship and most of it's my relationship with heavenly father and what he's caused me to do is to stir up the faith gift that he's given me to say i trust you no matter what the world says or that person says or the circumstances say am i making sense this morning so in this idea of faith here's another question how can i be pleasing to god Because I've heard a lot of different messages, I've concocted a lot of different ideas in, in my mind about what's pleasing to God, but sometimes I find that that's just self-effort and it's just humanity trying to be better. I want you to follow with me, we're going on a journey, we're going to get somewhere with this, because it's not bad to have that desire to be a better version of yourself. And you will be when you awaken to who you truly are, okay? Okay? But I think a lot of times that the answer is much simpler than we've made it. Let's just jump down a couple verses here in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want to look at verse, let's look at verse 6. It says, and without faith, it is what? Say it again. One more time. Without faith, it is impossible to what? Please Please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who what? Earnestly seek him. Have you ever read this and thought, uh uh-oh. you ever read this and thought, what does that mean? Have you never read this? (laughs) And you're like, this is the first time I've ever read this scripture verse. I do love this in the message. It says, it's possible to please God apart from faith. It's impossible, I should say, to please God apart from faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God listen to this must believe both that He exists and I want you to catch this and that He cares enough to respond to those who seek Him. Now does that shift a little bit? I hope I, we have some mind shifting going on today. I want a little matrix going on with you here today. I want you to take the right pill so you can get out of the matrix and see that that there's life in the kingdom, there's life. And sometimes we have everything else on the outside coming at us and, and we don't even sometimes know how to break this apart, but I'm hoping together today we can see some truth. See, to me, when I read this, this goes directly back, or at least for me, to the story I told earlier about my kids and their anticipation, their expectancy, that I would be there for them, that I would provide for them, that I wouldn't let them down. And you know, a lot of revelation that I've been able to receive from the Holy Spirit has come by becoming a father. It's kind of changed the view of everything because I see even as a human father who misses it, who messes up, who stumbles, who, who just doesn't do it right, has to apologize, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I still have this heart of love for my children and I would do anything for them. So again, how can I be pleasing to God? Well, first of all, I want to say this that pleasing God is not us, you know, doing the right things to appease Him. This is a a foreign God to the God of the Bible. Let me just be completely blunt about it. This is describing Zeus or Moloch or, or Diana, these different gods that you had to appease. And hope that they would be okay with you. See it's not acting more righteous. It's not trying to love God more. It's not being more patient. It's not having more self-control. Thank God. Because sometimes I miss that. How about you? Now of course these are all great things. They're not bad things to do. Don't, Don't take me wrong. But again and I say this quite often. Your doing comes from your being. Or at least it should. And really, in all circumstances, it does. If, if you think you be this way, then your actions come out of that. But you, when you awaken to the truth of who you really are, guess what? Your doing becomes your being out of that. In other words, when you know who you are and you be who you are, the right responses and actions flow out of that. Does that make sense? So when we read this, I believe that it's telling us that he is well-pleased by our complete trust and confidence in him. It's impossible to please God without what? Trust and confidence. And so I don't think it's a thing of God's like, well, I'm a little irritated at you, but if you do this right, I'll be pleased with you. No, 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 no. It's, wow, you trust me. I have no greater desire, no greater desire than for you to trust me, and have confidence in me. Man, this pleases me. Does that make sense? It's the same way when I would walk in and even late pick my kids up from school and when they say, Daddy, I was like, you know what? They trust me. They have full confidence that I would show up and be here. Guess what? That's pleasing to me. Pleasing God is simply believing Him and saying, thanks. You're awesome. So look back at verse 6 because I want to maybe address the elephant in the room, because, you know, this is Pastor Andy speaking, the pastor of love and grace and goodness, and God's so great, and you know, uh, does he discipline? Yeah, yeah, he absolutely disciplines, but discipline is always training you for your future, it's not this punishment mindset to teach you a lesson, so definitely, there's, there's discipline within this, but but then there's this elephant in the room that says he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Have you ever read that and thought, wow, am I earnest enough? Am I seeking him enough? How would we put that into today's vernacular? What, if I were to say, you know, are you earnestly seeking him, what would that look like? Open class. What would you think? Anyone? Bruce, what would you think? Reading your Bible. Reading your Bible that's a good one. Great thing to do, right? Yeah. With Jesus as the lens, right? Good thing to do. Any Anyone else? What's that? Bible studies. Good stuff. That's good. What would you say? Jess? Praying? Pete? Yeah. All these things. Does that make sense? So we think about earnestly seeking God is praying, reading my Bible, going to church, giving in the offering, you know, being nice to people at least 55% of the time, right? I mean we think of these things. But if you look at this in the original language, here we go again, guys. You ready? Are you ready? Earnestly seeking him doesn't mean that I'm trying to harder to get closer. This word earnestly literally means this, to scrutinize, to examine in great detail. Did they just change it again? Think about this. When you Scrutinize this relationship, this character of God, who He is. When you begin to dig deeper, dig deeper, and examine in great detail, then what's the reward? New life. You awaken to this new life that you've already had sitting there the whole time. But guess what? It doesn't stop there. It's this continuing relationship of examining and inspecting and scrutinizing thoroughly. That's what this word means in the Greek. The character of God. It's getting to know him more. See, when you read it like this, does it sound like a threat or a promise? See, that's what I want to get us to. There's such freedom in this, folks. I mean... I remember when, and, and with good intentions, <clears throat> you ever had a, a New Year's Eve roll by, New Year's Day, and you got the list, right? And, and you've got the things you want to change. And part of my list, the top of the list was, read my Bible every day, this many chapters. Now listen, not making fun of that. Do that. It's, it's going to be beneficial to you. Pray more. I'm going to start 15 minutes a day, and I'm going to go down on my basement where it's cold and damp and really make sure I'm praying hard. Again, great thing to do, but why are we doing these things? Now, I'm going somewhere with this because prayer is extremely important. Talking to your father is extremely important. I happen to be married to this beautiful woman sitting over here named Kristen. And guess what? We pray together all the time. You're like, oh, that's good. Couples that pray together stay together. No, what I mean is we have conversations all the time. We communicate. We're on this level where we communicate. Now, sometimes he tells me you're not communicating right, but that's okay. We're communicating. We're, we're in relationship. That's what prayer is. Does that make sense? So you can't have relationship with someone if you never talk to them. So prayer is important. Reading scripture is important. Having better understanding of God is important. But think about this, you're inspecting, you're examining, you're scrutinizing thoroughly the character of God, getting to know him more, who he is, how he views you. That's where your faith and your trust and your confidence come in. So for me, I would have these these different, you know, New Year's resolutions about doing more stuff on a list so I could make sure I got it in with good intentions. But here's what I found when I begin to just say, Okay, God, I just want to examine. I want to know you more. This relationship began to stir in such a way that I didn't have to make lists or put time stamps on things anymore. Reading a scripture, uh, yeah, why not? Pray, yeah, all day long. Does this make sense? It's like sometimes we put the cart before the horse. We're trying to do a list of things instead of realizing. Listen. When you, just, just like we're told, when you scrutinize, when you examine, when, when, you, when you scrutinize thoroughly, when you dig into, when you inspect God's character, who He is, what this looks like, what He's all about, it's like everything else just falls in tow. Does that make sense? And did you know that God loves when you ask questions? Nobody did. God actually loves it when you ask questions. I've said this before, I think, but the Jewish tradition really got it. They would ask questions all the time. They would question God all through their scriptures. God, why are you doing this? Are you sure that's the right decision, God? Shouldn't you do something else? Because if you did that, it might make you look bad. And then we have an issue asking questions to God. Why is that? Sometimes it starts with some churches saying, don't question the man of God. What he says goes. Well, not at Faith City Church. If you got a question, come ask me. If you think I'm off my rocker, come talk to me. Right? Straighten me out a little bit. Help me out a little bit. Maybe I'll help you out a little bit. That's what the church dynamics about. It's conversations and saying, hey, what did you mean by that? And you know, sometimes maybe I'm not as clear as I should be. I get that, I'm human. But we have to understand that God loves it when you ask questions, when you actually are seeking answers and you desire to know him. There's such freedom in knowing this. And what's really odd, and why don't you really hear me this morning, especially in this talk about faith, what's really odd is that doubt is part of the process. Did you hear me? Doubt is part of the process. So many times, let me just say for me in my own life, I was afraid that doubt will deactivate faith, which by the way was a gift that won't be taken back. It's there, doesn't go anywhere. But I thought, well, that's gonna deactivate my faith. I can't doubt, I can't doubt, I can't doubt. But I really truly believe, and maybe I'm off my rocker, but I believe that doubt is part of faith. There's stories in the Bible. There's one man that says to Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. Wait, wait, you're double-minded in all your ways. We go right to James, don't we? Not understanding context, not understanding who was being written to. But listen, folks, doubt is part of the journey of faith. It just is. At least it is in my life. Maybe I'm the only one. You see, the opposite of faith is not doubt. It's one of really two things. It can be fear, Right? We've heard this fear is the opposite of faith, which, what what does fear do? It leads us to mistrust. Or, I believe the polar opposite of fear, hear me out, is the word certainty. The opposite of faith is not just fear, but it's certainty. And let me tell you, certainty is a faith killer. When you get to the point where you believe that you are certain about all things, that you know all things, Faith is no longer present. And I believe that you, in essence, have become your own life source. We could say you've become your own God. It's interesting to me. We've been doing this throughout all of human history. And it's the story of Adam and Eve played out over and over and over and over again. Fear leads to mistrust. Certainty leads to, I'll become my own God. I can do this on my own. I want to make sense this morning in this. But listen, don't be afraid when there's doubt that's present. That's where faith chooses to step in and trust God. God. I'll give you my own example in life. I mean, I've had plenty of, plenty of times where I was doubting whether I'm truly pleasing, doubting whether I was truly worthy or forgiven or acceptable as a son of God. There were times I struggled with that identity, but in the midst of that struggle, I chose to say, I trust you. I trust your story about me. Even with the doubts in my life about myself, I would step into this place where I would use the gift of faith and say, I trust, I have confidence in what you, Heavenly Father, are telling me about myself. And it's made all the difference in the world but I couldn't get hung up on the doubt. It's like, I could be over here going, I'm doubting, I'm doubting, I'm doubting, I'm trying not to doubt, and then I'll be over. No, even in the midst of the doubting, I'd say, nope, I have faith. I trust you. I know what I feel. I know what things look like right now. I know what the circumstances look like right now, but I choose to trust you and to trust your word about me. In fact, what is the Bible definition of confession? In the Greek, confession means agreeing with or saying the same thing as another. Another. So it's in those moments of doubt and even unbelief and and not sure about myself that I chose to say, no, I'm going to step over here. I'll take the leap of faith and trust and confidence and say, no, I'm going to trust what you're saying about me. In fact, I will be in agreement. Confession is agreeing with saying the same thing that you're saying about me, Heavenly Father, saying the same thing that you're saying about these circumstances that I'm going through right now. So don't ever let anyone bring condemnation into your life and shame and guilt because you have doubt in an area that's part of the journey it's part of the process and I think that's what makes it beautiful is that you're able to step outside of that and say no but I trust you see a lot of times we go to the story and I'd like to break this down sometime but we go to the story of Thomas in fact we've given him a name what's his name doubting Thomas man that poor dude but Jesus if you look at the story Jesus never got mad at him Jesus never brought shame into his life Thomas asked if I could just see what the scars then I'll believe and Jesus walked out of the room and said no way dude you better believe I ain't showing you nothing you're like what Bible did you read what did Jesus do? He said, here, here you go. No, of course, he said, listen, it's much greater if you don't see and believe. But Thomas, I'm here for you, dude. Your doubt hasn't scared me away. Here, let me give you some faith. Let me give you some confidence. Thank you. And then what we do is we just put the word doubting in front of his name. He's like, you totally missed it, dude. For all of eternity, I'm doubting Thomas now. I'm sure he'll have a word with me when I... I probably had several messages about doubting Thomas. But listen, sometimes doubting Andrew has said, God, where are you? Let me see. I don't feel the presence. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel accepted. I don't feel forgiven. And it's in those moments where Jesus said, I'm here, son. Look at my scars. Look what I've done for you. So your picture of yourself is distorted. So will you come in the line and be in agreement? Will you confess? Will you say what I say about you? See, that's faith. It's, it's part of the struggle. It's part of the journey. And let me say this. Faith doesn't make God do anything. I used to think that somehow, man, I'm praying hard, and, and I'm going to fast and pray, and I'm going to do all these things. Why? Wow, I'm stepping on the Lord's cup. Sorry, Jesus. But I would do all these things to try to get God. I'm going to move the hand of God. What man can move the hand of God? (laughs) But think about it. Faith is simply a positive response to what God has already done. Listen, he's already moved his hand. You have everything you need pertaining to life and godliness in Christ Jesus. It's done. So faith is being in agreement with what has already been done and saying, that's mine. That's provided for me. Isn't that cool? I'm going to finish up with one last scripture today in 2 Peter. 2 Peter and chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Peter writes, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power, whose divine power? His Has granted us, or granted to us, everything pertaining to life and godliness through what? The true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Even this scripture verse shows it's relational. First of all, whose power gives us this? Is it the amount of faith you have that makes it happen? No, it's the amount of trust and confidence that it's already happened that lets you receive it. That word receive in the Greek means take, right? I mean, th- th- these are cool things to know because God's saying, hey, um, I've given you all this, take it, grab it, embrace it, it's yours. You don't, have to, you don't have to cower and wonder. No, no, faith says, that's mine, I'm taking it. It's like, it's like a little kid, Right? It's like little kid, like my, my favorite drink, I think to date, is black cherry Zevia. Can I get a witness? <laughs> You're like, Zevia, what is that? It's a really, really good soda. It's black cherry, favorite, favorite thing. And sometimes I'll go to the fridge, I'm like, there's only one left, what happened? My kids took them. Because they're like, hey, guess what? I have full confidence and faith in my dad that everything he buys is mine. <laughs> You ever gone to the, the cupboard and you're like, oh man, Kristen went shopping, whoo, what kind of snacks do we got? And you open the cupboard and the snacks are gone? You ever gone to the cupboard and you grab the box and it's empty? And you're like, why is there an empty? Did you buy this empty at Meyer? or did the kids take it and think, if I leave it there, no one will know? I'm kind of razzing my kids a little bit, but sometimes you ever done that, you know? You're like, but it's because they know, they're like, hey, anything in this house is mine, or at least they think that. Why? They have full confidence that you provided for them, and sometimes, guess what? They don't even ask. They just take. Sometimes I think we're so busy asking that we're not doing any taking. God, please, would you please? I beg of you, God, I beg, please, would you? And he's like, Just take it. It's right there. It's in the cupboard. It's open. The cupboard's open. It's sliding off the shelf. It's falling down. Catch it! This is powerful, man. Faith is acknowledging every good thing that's already ours in Christ. Listen, faith is not a work. It's a rest. It's having confidence and trust and taking God at His word. Faith is a noun, it's not a verb. Not something you do to get something. It's something you are, because he's already provided it, and it's up to you to awaken to that and say, it's mine. Receive, take. I believe that faith is a persuasion that God is who he says he is. He has done what he said that he's done, and he will do what he has promised to do. The issue is settled. As far as you and I are concerned as believers, your mind is made up, and guess what? Your heart is at ease. That's why I believe that Jesus has called us to follow him, and he will give us a rest. I love the message translation, a real rest for your soul. And it even says in there to, to find that the rhythms of his grace, the unforced rhythms of his grace, Man, life in Christ should be awesome. So here's the question we're trying to answer. How can I be pleasing to God? Say that with me. How can I be pleasing to God? Well, the answer, according to the scriptures, is that I what? Inspect. I scrutinize and examine in great detail the goodness, the compassion, the love, the grace of God, his forgiveness for me. Man, it's so awesome. And guess what? This is what is pleasing to the heavenly father when you take him at his word, when you say yes to what he's already provided, you say, Father, I trust you. Now, isn't that good news? Let's pray. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.